going to look in Ezekiel chapter 40, Ezekiel 40. I was thinking as we were singing that, uh, um, 2019, that means I've been saved for 40 years now. I don't know where 40 years went. I got saved in 1979. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that the Lord just keeps showing me greater and greater how much he loves me. And it enables me and helps me to continue to love him in a greater way. Amen. When you see many, many blessings that the Lord gives us and how he moves in our life. And uh, I, uh, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 40, I just want to read four verses and take some thoughts as Ezekiel mentions this vision that he receives. And it's at the beginning of the new year. And uh, so what is God going to say to us? What is he going to show us as we begin the new year? Isaiah 40, it says, And in the fifth and the twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after the city was smitten, in the selfsame day the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel, and set me upon a very high mountain by which was as the frame of the city of, on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hands and a measuring reed, and he, and he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thy heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought th hither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for the past year. Uh, many, many ways you blessed us. Uh, many, many ways uh, we've had to go through different trials and difficulties, but uh, Lord, through every situation, Lord, we have uh, been able to see and experience and enjoy the presence and the power and the peace of God upon our lives. And Lord, as we go into this new year, we go in with a great heart of uh, expectation, great hope of uh, how you're going to move and how you're going to bless and how you can be glorified in our lives. And so help us to glean just a few practical truths tonight as we're launching into this new year. Uh, that may help us, Lord, uh, might equip us, enable us, Lord, to be able to uh, have even a greater testimony and a witness in this world in which we live. So bless the preaching of the word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, verse 1 is our text where we get our phrase for our title. It says, uh, in the uh, 5 and 20th year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year. So here is God speaking to Ezekiel and going to give Ezekiel a vision and uh, he gives it to him at the beginning of the new year. Uh, at this point in the history of Israel, Jerusalem has been destroyed and the temple has been burned. Uh, the Babylonians have invaded the land and the people are scattered in an exile. Uh, very bleak situation, uh, but yet God was wanting to encourage Ezekiel and give him hope for the future and something to preach about that'll give people hope for the future. The prophet Ezekiel is looking to the future. The people will be regathered and cleaned, the land cleansed, uh, the land will be restored and become fruitful. The city and the temple will re be refurbished in holiness. 
Uh, the interesting thing is that uh, the word holy is used 22 times in chapters 41 through 48 of Ezekiel. God is speaking to Ezekiel in the spirit of his holiness. Uh, chapter 40, chapter 41, 42, 43, 44, Ezekiel receives visions about the land being restored. He receives visions about the regathering of God's people. He gets a vision about the fact of uh, the temple being rebuilt, uh, sacrifices, the priesthood being reestablished. I mean, it's amazing in the next four or five chapters as you read in the book of Ezekiel, all that God reveals that he was going to do in the life of Israel, but he reveals it to him, Ezekiel says, at the beginning of the year. And so what, what are you looking for God to show you for the new year? What is it you would hope that God would do in your life in this new year? I'm thankful that God provides new beginnings in our lives. There may be a situation that really kind of knock you off your feet spiritually in 2019. Well, 2020 is a new year. And God is a God of new opportunities, and, and I'm thankful that he gives us the spirit of being a new creature. When we get saved, we become uh, born again. Uh, we're never the same. Uh, we are identified with the person of Christ, and we have complete new life. And so as we go to the new year, don't let the failures or the difficulties of the old year hinder you from believing God for great and mighty things, because he's still on the throne, and he still is stated, still in the Bible, all things are possible to him that believeth. And so don't allow the failures or difficulties of the past rob you of the joy of looking forward right now for the new year, at the beginning of the year. So here's some thoughts I grabbed out of this chapter. I thought about, first of all, in verse 2, this matter of separation personally. It's interesting, God is speaking to Ezekiel in verse 2 says, in the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain. He separated Ezekiel from everything else. He wanted to speak to him. It's amazing as you go through the scripture how many times God draws someone away from everything that he's familiar with, whether it be the city, whether it be the people, whether it be the family, whether it be uh, uh, his occupation, whatever it is, God removes us from those distractions so he can speak to us personally to reveal what it is he wants to do in our life. And uh, I, was, I was talking to someone today, and, uh, and we were talking about this whole thing of uh, uh, difficulty of maintaining a walk with God that's just not duty-driven. And, uh, uh, and the thing is, is we, we get caught up in this mindset that we've just, I got to do, do, do. We're so busy in the world. We're so caught up in everything in the world. And we just kind of try to fit God into our schedule when we need to just let God separate us personally. Let God just remove us from the things that are going on. It's okay to put some things off to be alone with God. And uh, sometimes we, we wonder why we're not growing spiritually or why we're not impacting those that are around us and maybe, maybe it's just because we need to let the Lord separate us from those distractions so that we can have time with him. God had a great revelation to give to Ezekiel, but he did it by removing him onto a high mountain where he would not be distracted by everything around him. So separation personally, I thought of this, in times of uncertainty, uh, to 2020 is, is a time of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. 
We got elections in our country this year coming up. Who knows what's going to happen with that mess, uh, with the politicians and everything else. Uh, we have financial concerns. We have uh, you know, spiritual concerns. We, we look at the world in which we live, and we, we, we're facing times of uncertainty. But wait a minute. You still can be separated unto the Lord personally. In Acts chapter 16, in uh, verse 9, tells us as uh, Paul was going along as he was preaching, he was in Phygeria, he was in Galatia, and he was preaching throughout the region of Asia. Uh, and in, in verse 9 of Acts 16, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. So here he is, he's by himself. He's in the night, uh, he's all alone, and God gives him a vision. Appeared on him and said, There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. It was not Paul's plan to go to Macedonia, but when he had a time of separation personally unto God, God revealed to him the reality of what he wanted them to do. And so he says that after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord hath called us to preach the gospel unto them. And so God will speak to us in those days of uncertainty. You say, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do in 2020. Well, you know, if you get alone with God, God can just remove yourself from everything else and listen to what God has to say for you, God to you. God will show you what he wants to do in your life. And so we just need to separate unto the Lord in times of uncertainty. We need to separate unto the Lord in times of tragedy. Uh, there will be those situations that we are going to face in life uh, that, we are, that come on us unexpectedly. And uh, nobody sits and plans for problems to hit us. But the reality is they will come. And when they come, if we're willing to separate ourselves unto our God, God will give us peace and will give us strength and will give us direction in those times. In Acts 27 and verse 1, it says, But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, uh, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. He said, Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve. See, Paul could have great confidence in when he was facing uncertainties in his life because of the fact that God was standing with him and revealing to him what God was going to do in his life. And so Ezekiel, as he receives this vision from God, he does it based upon the fact he's removed from all the distractions so he could be alone with his God, and God would reveal to him the uncertain things that he was facing, that God was still with him and still going to bless him. And so we need to separate unto the Lord in times of uncertainty, in times of tragedy, and then in times of perplexity. You know, I'd say I always like reading first, Second Corinthians chapter 12 about, you know, the chapter where Paul's dealing with the thorn in his flesh. It's amazing that Paul goes to the Lord three times to request that the thorn be removed. He's perplexed. He doesn't understand why he's going through that. I think of Job. Job certainly did not understand and comprehend what was going on in his life. 
He was a man who hated evil and a man who loved God, but yet here he is, he's under attack and he's losing everything. And so it was God who would affirm in his heart that uh, God was working in his life in a powerful way. Paul, in his time of perplexity, was willing just to trust that God's grace was sufficient. I don't know why I've got this trial. I don't know why I have this thorn in my flesh, but I know God's grace is still sufficient. You get that overwhelming move of the grace of God when you're willing to separate unto the Lord and be alone with him. Jeremiah 33, 3 was already mentioned in one of the testimonies tonight, but it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And how many times in my Christian life have I just had to cry out to God and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. You've got to show me. You've got to do something. And in those times of removing myself from all the distractions of life, crying out to God in that situation, God will reveal what is going on and what he wants to accomplish in your life. So beginning the year is a good way to begin the year is separating unto the Lord personally. Separation unto the Lord personally. Then in verse 3 of our chapter where we're studying, we see visions of glory. It says, And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. Visions of glory. First of all, we see a theophany here. He says, there was a man. And uh, he's not talking about a physical human being, but he's talking about a manifestation of Christ, a pre-incarnate Christ, a theophany as he is there. Because of the fact, it tells us what he did. It describes him, who he had appearance like a brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, uh, and he stood in the gate. And so it, the theophany reminds us that it is God who establishes the nation. Ezekiel needed to be reminded that because Israel as a nation has been taken into captivity. Israel as a people has lost their capital. Israel as a people had lost their temple. And Ezekiel needed to be reminded that, wait a minute, it was God who establishes a nation, and it is God who calls a man. And we remember it back in Exodus chapter 3 that God would call Moses to lead the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And God, when he wants to do something in the nation of his people, he always calls a man to rise up to lead his people. And in 2020, I believe that God wants to raise up people to fulfill leadership in, in the church and leadership in our communities and leadership in our land to be able to lead people out of bondage into freedom through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it is God who establishes a nation. He calls a man and then he anoints a place. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 through 14, we find that God anointed the temple in Jerusalem as a place where they were to come in to worship. And God has anointed the church, the church of Jesus Christ, is the place of God's choosing for worship. And we, we have a tendency, people have such a tendency to move away from the importance and significance of the church. But beginning the new year, remind yourself Jesus Christ built the church. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
And so we need to worship in light of the anointing of God in the place that God chooses. And so here it is at the beginning of the year, uh, Ezekiel is getting this vision of glory through this great theophany. But also I see authority established here in verse 3. It says, whose appearance was like the appearance of brass. Brass in the scriptures always speaks about judgment or authority in that judgment. You read Revelation chapter 1, verse 13 through 17. The description of Jesus Christ is that he has feet as brass. He stands in authority and he stands in judgment. That's why he would stand and tell his disciples before ascending up into heaven, all authority, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth in Matthew chapter 28. And so we see in a vision the glory of God based on the authority of God to exercise his wrath and his judgment as he sees fit. And so we need a new vision of God. We need to have a vision of the glory of God. Why? Where there's no vision, the people perish. And I, I'm afraid many people have lost a sense of a vision of who God is. Oh, they might go to church and they might fulfill duties or whatever, but they have no fire, they have no burning, they have no zeal, they have no commitment because they have lost a sense of the vision of God. And so he, Ezekiel gets a vision of God's glory. He sees the theophany, he sees the authority, and he experiences the harmony he had in measuring reed in his hand. Uh, an amazing thing is this, when we think about uh, um, uh, walking in harmony, means to be walking in agreement. And uh, Amos 3.3 3 says, can two, as two walk together except they be agreed. And Ezekiel is realizing here that God is revealing to him uh, that there needs to be harmony among God's people. And we need to walk in agreement one with another in our faith in Christ. Need to walk in alignment. And Galatians chapter 6 reveals to us that we need to walk in the spirit. Uh, we need not to fulfill the lust of the flesh in chapter 5 of uh, Galatians. And literally Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Now we are born again by the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. We're the temples of the Holy Spirit of God. And if we, we possess the Spirit of God, then we need to get in line with God in reference to walking in the Spirit because we live in the Spirit. We are spiritual beings. We're just not flesh and blood, but we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. And so walking in alignment in the Spirit and in love. And uh, if the one thing that we need to do is to develop the love of God in our hearts. Ephesians 5, 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. The, the, this, this whole concept of how we live our Christian life, how we relate one towards another, is based on the character of Christ. How are we supposed to love? We're supposed to love the way Christ loved. How are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live the way Christ lived. And so Ezekiel is challenged with this thing of a measuring reed, uh, revealing the necessity of being in harmony among God's people. We're supposed to walk in wisdom. Uh, we're walking in alignment in wisdom. And Galatians, I'm sorry, Colossians 4, 5 says, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without redeeming the time. 
Well, 2019 is over. You can't get anybody else saved in 2019 unless you've got a few hours here. You've got about four hours, amen? And uh, but after four hours, you can't get anybody else saved in 2019. And so we need to be walking in wisdom, determining as we face the new year to walk in wisdom among those that are without, those that are not saved, so that we might be able to bring them to Christ. We're living in a new era. I'm telling you that right now. I know what it was to go soul winning back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And we can talk about all the glory days about when we oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, had such great revivals and people were responsive. Well, wait a minute. People still will respond to the gospel. We just have to deal with them in a different way because of the world that we live in. The message doesn't change. But the opportunities that we have to give the message may be changing. And so we need to seize those opportunities to walk in wisdom with them that are without, redeeming the time. Why? Because 2020 is only going to be 12 months. That's all it's going to be. And it'll be gone. So we need wisdom. We need to walk in light. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, uh, cleanses us from all sin. We need to walk in truth. 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so this matter of walking in agreement, walking in alignment, deals with this whole concept, how we relate to each other and also to the Lord. And so Ezekiel gets this vision at the beginning of the year, in reference to needing to separate personally and needing to gain a vision of the glory of God. And then in verse 4, I believe, is a revelation of eternity. He says, And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I will show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither. Declare all that thou seest into the house of Israel. And so the revelation of eternity. First of all, I thought about this. Just who am I in uh, uh, who I am. I need a revelation in reference to eternity, in reference to who I am. Uh, who we are in Christ. Uh, he says here, based on vision. He says, behold with thy eyes. You need to see who you are. Sometimes you just need to look in the mirror and, and, and acknowledge who you are. Uh, you need to see yourself spiritually looking in, at yourselves through the word of God and know in light of eternity who you are in Christ. I'm, I'm not a child of this world anymore. I'm a child of the king. And I need to see myself in the royal robe and the garb of Jesus Christ. And so visual, but intellectual. He says, hear with thine ears. And so, as we go into this new year, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what doctrine you're hearing. Be careful what, what influences come in your life. You need to uh, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And so, we need to hear with our ears. And then I thought emotional. He says, set thy heart upon all. 
So who am I? I need to see myself for who I am. I need to understand who I am in Christ. I need to be emotionally connected with all that I am in Christ. That's why I love when we sang that song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. We need to be emotionally connected in this new year based on the reality that Jesus loves me and I love him. It is emotional. So revelation of eternity in light of in who I am. But also, I thought of this, in what I experience. He says, that I might show them unto thee. I want to be able to experience everything about God that I can possibly experience in 2020. Uh, we have our prayer conferences we're going to be doing. We've never done that here at the church before. We're going to be doing men's and women's prayer conference here. And really, it is my desire for each of us to be able to experience God in a way that we've never experienced God before. And the only way that you can do that, you have to be separated personally, and you have to develop a vision of who God is according to the scriptures, and then you can experience the presence of God. I want to experience everything that God has for me. And not only in who I am and in what I experience, but I see in what I must do. It says here in verse 40, I'm sorry, chapter 40, verse 4, the last sentence, Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. So what must I do? If I understand who I am in Christ, and I experience the reality of Christ in me, then that automatically puts an obligation on me to take everything that God has revealed and share it with somebody else. And so the revelation of eternity. Warren Worsby, I like what he said. He said this. For Christians, heaven is not simply a destination. It's a motivation. And, I, and I'm afraid, I, I've watched this for over the 40 years that I've been saved. And I've seen this happen over and over again. That people like talking about going to heaven. Because they re, they're talking about the destination where they're going. Nobody wants to talk about, well, I'm glad I'm going to hell. But people want to talk about, well, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. Uh, but there's no zeal. There's no fire. There's no excitement. There's no commitment. I'm, I'm like, well, wait a minute. If you're really glad you're going to heaven, that ought to charge you up a little bit. Heaven's not just a destination. Heaven's our motivation. Our motivation to go soul winning is to get people into heaven. Our motivation for living for God and glorifying Him in our life is based on the fact that when I get to heaven, there'll be rewards in heaven. I'll tell you, the destination is not the joy, it's the motivation of getting there. And so here Ezekiel receives these revelations about all that Israel was going to experience and what God wanted to reveal to him. And just an interesting thought that he got it at the beginning of the year. We're at the beginning of a new year. And I believe with all my heart that God really, really does want to do something very special in each one of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. And we can start out a new year with new visions, new hope, new expectations, new motivation. I pray, Lord, we might be able to experience a move and anointing of God on each of our lives that we've never experienced before. And I pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified 
and lifted up. He must increase. And so, Lord, help us to exalt the name of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.